today. I know you came expecting a blessing, and I know you've been praying for Brother Dennis and hoping that he will be uh, well and back with us soon. Uh, I know we're, I'm looking forward to it, and uh, as you are. So once again, another Sunday, you're going to have to tolerate me, but that's okay. We're going to worship together. We're going to pray together. We're going to have a great time in spirit and in truth and in the Word today. Uh, so I hope we just that uh, you're ready for what God has in store for each of us as we worship together through His Word. Let's pray. Father, we ask your blessings upon us. Show us the path that we should take. And help us to make the choices that we need to make to take that path. In Jesus' name, amen. Okay, I got a passage of Scripture. I, I tried to decide between three different passages of Scripture this week. And so you got one in the bulletin. And I just wanted we're going to read Luke chapter 4 uh, from Jesus' temptation experience. And I want you to think about the path that we take and the choices that we make. Because the choices that we make determines the path that we take in life. And that's through, true for no matter how old we are or, or how young we are. Those choices that we make determines tremendously the path that we take. Luke chapter 4, and we're going to begin reading with verse 1. Then Jesus, being filled with the Holy Spirit, returned from Jordan and was led by the Spirit into the wilderness being tempted for 40 days by the devil, and in those days he ate nothing. Afterward, when he had ended, he was hungry. And the devil said to him, If you are the Son of God, command this stone to become bread. But Jesus answered, saying, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word of God. Then the devil, taking him up on a high mountain, showed him all the kingdoms of the world in a moment of time. And the devil said to him, All of this authority I will give you, and this glory. For this has been delivered unto me, and I give it to whomever I wish. Therefore, if you will worship before me, all will be yours. And Jesus answered and said to him, Get behind me, Satan, for it is written, You shall worship the Lord your God, and him only you shall serve. Then he brought him to Jerusalem set him on the pinnacle of the temple, and said to him, If you are the Son of God, throw yourself down from here, for it is written, He shall give his angels charge over you to keep you, and in their hands they shall bear you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus answered and said to him, It has been said, You shall not tempt the Lord your God. Now when the devil had ended every temptation, he departed from him, until the opportune time. Then Jesus returned in the power of the Spirit to Galilee, and news of him went out through all the surrounding regions. What a wonderful opportunity life gives us to make choices. And, you know, and we start making choices all the way back when you know, when we were just little fellers and, and late and girls. When they're, each of us have been are, are born with a variety of instincts urges desires appetites and how wonderful it is that god has given us the opportunity to make choices in life and the choices that we make determines the paths that we take and sometimes we make good choices and then there are times when some of the choices that we have made hadn't been so great 
But with making choices and with those glorious opportunities come the corresponding responsibilities or consequences from the choices that we do make. Our destiny is in our own hands. We decide. We make the choice. Have you ever looked back over your life and just thinking about your life and, you know, if I could go back to a certain time when I made this choice, if I could go back, I would decide something else. I would make a different choice on that. And then there's those choices that you look back and you'll say, well, I did a pretty good choice. If I could go back, I would still make the choice, but, but just slightly different. And then those choices, if I had it all to go over again, I wouldn't change it. I'd still make the same choice. I tell my wife that. We've been married for almost 50, well, be 53 years already. We'll be 54 in August this year. I said, honey, if I could ever go back, I would still marry you again. And she said, boy, aren't you a glutton for punishment? <laughs> well, maybe so, but, you know, good choices come along, and the consequences of those good choices. Well, sometimes, you know, we can't go back, and we know that. But sometimes it would be nice if we could go back and make different choices. Because the choices we made coming through our life determines the path that brought us to where we are today. We can only make choices that affect the future. In this passage of Scripture that I just read was a, a time when Jesus had to make choices. He had to make a choice. And, and the choices that he made kind of reminds me of, of uh, I'm going to get it right this time, Brenda, uh, Robert Frost. And the poem, you know, I think I've referenced that before. The reason I told my wife I'd get it right, I came in there one <laughs> the other day. I said, Brenda, what was that, what was that poem by Jack Frost? That, uh, <laughs> and she said, Jack Frost, oh, he's Christmas. Said, oh, that's right. I'm still, I'm still close to Christmas. It was Robert Frost. Yeah, the one that he, he, he it, it goes, uh, two roads diverge in a yellow wood. And I'm not sure exactly what the yellow means but, and what it was about and he describes the, the two paths that are there and I know I've used this reference before and he said I took the one less traveled that had made and that has made all the difference sometimes taking the road that's less traveled makes all the difference this was the road that Jesus had to take when Jesus the choices that Jesus faced are the choices that many of us face also and the first choice that Jesus faced that uh, affects us and, and the same choices we make is the choice between the pressure of the crowd and the purpose of the Father. Now, every good Jew could tell you what the Messiah was going to be like. I mean, they were taught it when they were little. The parents instilled it in them all through their life. They were taught it in the synagogue. They were taught it in the, the, the temple, what the Messiah would be like. When he came, he would uh, bring in, a, he would usher in a, a kingly person. He would be a kingly person, the king, and he would uh, reestablish the throne of David. And more importantly, he would put Rome to flight. He would move Rome out. He would reestablish. He would, he would bring a whole new era of peace. And this was what every good Jew knew. This was what the Messiah would be like. And Jesus knew that this was what was uh, expected him to, uh, to be conformed to. He was to uh, do this. His disciples urged him. 
uh, remember when uh, the disciples said, well, Lord, when you come in, when you establish your kingdom, and this was James and John, can we sit on the right-hand side and the left-hand side of you? This was, uh, you know, the end the, even in their mindset, Jesus was going to be the Messiah, the expected Messiah. Simon and Judas, they were zealots. Zealots was a, I guess you'd call it a political party, uh, a group I guess if you compared it to today, they would be a terrorist group because they would say change by uh, warfare, guerrilla warfare and guerrilla tactics, revolution, overthrow the Romans. And, and, and this was what their, their mindset was. Even his family and his friends, as he set out on his path, tried to get him to turn back, to, to cease and desist on the path that you're taking, steer clear of, of uh, danger. Remember when he was going to go into Jerusalem? They said, no, 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 don't. Stay here. It's safe. Stay here in Galilee. It's, it's dangerous in there. And Jesus knew that he had to go because he knew what lay ahead. He kept telling the disciples and forewarning them that he must suffer many things. He would be rejected and he would be killed. And then when you get over to Luke chapter 22, and I'm going to flip over there right quick. Luke chapter 22, and I had a mark in it, and it slid down. Even when he was within the garden, he agonized over the pressure that was there. Luke chapter 22, verse 39. Coming out, he went to the Mount of Olives, and he was as he was accustomed, and his disciples also followed him. And when he came to the place, he said to them, Pray that you not enter into temptation. And when he was withdrawn from them a stone's throw, he knelt down and prayed. Saying, Father, if it is your will, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. Then an angel appeared to him from heaven, strengthening him. And being in agony, he prayed more earnestly. Then his sweat became like great drops of blood falling down to the ground. And he rose up from his prayers and had come to his disciples. He agonized praying so hard, Lord, if there was some other way. But you know, not my will, but your will be done. He was agonizing. He's not going to buy into what everybody expected. He was not going to buy into the power-wielding Messiah that would rule with an iron thumb and drive Rome out. But he's chose the role of a suffering servant to save his own life meant to lose everything that he had lived for all of his life. And so he made the choice. From the pressure of the crowd, what they expected, to the purpose of the Father. We'd have to make that same choice. We have to look at our life and we have to make decisions every day that do we do what everybody wants us to do. I remember growing up, my, 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 my mother especially, well, if... The other kids get up there and jump off a bridge. You going to jump off too? Uh, yeah. Because, you know, I wanted to be like everybody else. You know, that's that pressure, that peer pressure. We don't lose that no matter how old we get. We think, well, that's pressure on teenagers or children. Today, children are under a tremendous amount of pressure in schools. I mean, it's unbelievable. I wouldn't want to be a, a, a middle schooler or a high schooler nowadays. I'm glad my days are way behind me. What children have to face today is unimaginable for us as adults. They know what they face. 
They go through it every day. They have to make the choice. Do what everybody else does. Do what everybody is wanting me to do. Or do I do what I know God wants me to do? Tremendous choice. Jesus made that choice. He also made another choice. The choice between his own personal integrity and public popularity. They say of all the fantasies that people have, none is stronger than the fantasy of fame. You ever wish that you could be, be famous? I'm sure we all have. What would, what would it be like if I was famous? Well, I can't even go into imagine. I'm not going to share my imagination because none of it comes out. Uh, it just don't work out right anyway. Uh, you, it seems like TV, uh, sports, movies, politics, science, advertising, they all thrive on fame and personality. And, it, it, and that's a, the, the, the personality of the famous. They all have their own little ritual. You got the award ceremonies, and you got the Nobel Prize, and you got the political positions, and you could go on and on and on and all the different things that, that people strive for, for the fame. Each has its own ritual. Fame has its devoted supporters who make their fortune marketing the famous. <laughs> Look at the commercials on TV now. You got, you know, you got this Shaq O'Neal who does this and supports this and supports this. They, they, they get them because of, of their fame that they have. And so the companies market that. And you could just, and then I was, this morning I was sitting there naming all four or five or six, and now Shaq O'Neal is the only one that comes to my mind. Uh, but, but you see, even politicians, you know, they, you see them making commercials today. The companies want to use and, and bounce, uh, uh, pull off of the fame that is there. And then there are always those people, maybe sometimes we've been there maybe in our hearts, our minds, those people who are just sitting in the wings waiting for that one chance for their moment in the spotlight. One chance. You know, Jesus didn't come to make a name for himself. He always pointed others not towards himself, but towards the Father. He always pointed to the Father. He always gave credit and the, and the power that he used and the glory always went to God. Have you heard of a, a congruent person? You know what a congruent person means? I asked my wife, she said, what? What is that? It's a person who knows who he is, he knows why he's here, and he knows where he's going. That was what Jesus was. Jesus knew who he was. That's what you see in him. He knew who he was. He knew what he was here for. He knew where he was going, and on top of that, he knew who sent him. And he never strayed from it. Even when the temptation of, from the devil, even in the struggle in the garden, he knew that if, you know, if there was some other way, Father, but nevertheless, your will be done. He did not need public opinion. He did not need public approval. He did what the Father sent him to do. And he knew that it would cost him. It would cost him. And it did. As we celebrate in Easter, it did cost him. 
You know, we sing songs. All to Jesus I surrender. Remember that song? Where he leads me, I will follow. Jesus, I my cross have taken, and many, many other songs. How many of us actually would do it? Now, before you say, oh, wait a minute. Do you really mean that you would follow Jesus anywhere, even into persecution and death? A martyr does that. And we sing that we would, but would we? Or would we give to public opinion? Or would we follow to fail, lean towards a political correctness? Or would we give in to the pressure of the crowd? Or would we maintain, Jesus, I'll follow you even to death? It's a tough decision, tough choice. Integrity versus popularity. We don't have to look to others to confirm our dignity and worth. God made us a person of worth. He made you the person that you are, the special person that you are. There is no one else like you. You are unique. Aren't you glad everybody's not like you, though? I'm glad everybody's not, there's not but one of me. If there was two of me here, y'all would have double trouble. And if there was a bunch of me here, y'all would say, okay, we need to go to another church somewhere. <laughs> God made you unique. You are the person you are because he created you. And the path that you've taken to, through life has brought you to this point by the choices that you have made. Even in your spiritual life, you've made the choice between the world, and salvation. And that's, that brought you to a, to a new place, a, a place in, in your life. God's purpose is now within you. And you made that decision, that spiritual decision, that choice to be what God wants you to be. And finally, another choice that Jesus had to make and that we have to make Kind of leans a little bit towards the fame, but not really. The choice between success or service. Most people in Jesus' day, when Jesus stood was there and being put on the cross, and people looking at that thought Jesus was a failure. He came with all these great ideals. He rode in triumphantly into Jerusalem on, on a coat. The disciples put their coats on the, the, the donkey or the horse or the coat. Put, Jesus put up there as he rode through town. People throwing their head, you know, the, the king of the Jews coming in. What a wonderful time. And I, but then a few, this short time after that, he's crucified. His disciples from afar thought their world had gone. Everything they had wished for and dreamed for and could possibly this really have been the Messiah. And now he's on the cross, a failure. Of course, three days later we know he was triumphant. But you know, he, he didn't come for success. His dominant desire was not success, but service to the Father, even if it meant his death he was willing 
There it goes back to that question. Would you really be willing to follow Jesus even unto death? I throw that out. It's just a question, but, you know, something to think about. Service. You know, in, in the world, the world doesn't, well, the world measures greatness by who you are and who you know and what you can become. And though they sometimes fear the powerful and they, they, they uh, look at those with, with you know, they admire the intellectual uh, standing or educational excellence uh, by, and who you know and who you are. But you know, when you get down to it, the world respects people who choose service as a way of life. They really respect them. They expect how you treat people, how you are. I think it was Mark, ninth chapter. Forgot the verse. Who was the greatest? Well, he who desires to be first, let him be last and servant to all. That's what God expects from us. Matthew 23. But he who is greatest among you, shall be your servant. We become great by becoming the least. Paul says, you know, I'm not worthy to be an apostle. In fact, of all the apostles, I'm the least of them. I don't qualify. But I give it my all. Even far more than the others, I, I give all to, to, to do what God has called me to do. The world instinctively respects people of service. They may expect, uh, let me get my tongue untied here, they may accept and they may fear someone who wields power, but they will love someone who serves their fellow man. And Jesus served better than anybody, and we could follow his example. That person in whose life is seen the reflection of Jesus. You know, the purpose of the Father is to make us like Jesus. Do you know what Christian means? Christ-like. I think it was Martin Luther said, you know, I, I want to be, we all should be little Jesuses. When they look at us, they should see Jesus. Jesus said, when you see me, you've seen the Father. When they look at us, do they see Jesus in us? Do they see Jesus in the way we, we, we live our life and the way we talk and the way we act? And, and can they see something so unique and different within us that even though they say one thing, they admire the choice that we make. They admire us because we, take, we make the choices that have directed our path to be what they in reality would really like to have that for themselves. We make the choices. The purpose of God in history was accomplished when God, when Jesus breathed his last on the cross. I've got a sermon I've been working on. It's called Tetelestai. It just finished. Jesus hanging on the cross and he looks up toward the Father and he says, it is finished. It is finished. It was not the last gasp of a wore-out life. It was not the cry of relief from all the, the, the career of pain and sorrow. 
uh, it, was not, it was the deliberate utterance of a clear consciousness on the part that God's appointed has now came and done all that he was supposed to do and he had done to make the world, make God known and to identify himself with us. It is finished. All the way to the cross, Jesus had to make choices. And the choices that he made led him on that path. And we have to do the same. We have need to follow. We need to follow making the choice between the pressure of the crowd and the purpose of the Father, the choice between integrity and popularity, the choice between success and service. May we make the right choice. May we serve the Father with the choices we make. Father, thank you. Thank you for the opportunity to be here today. Thank you for the opportunity that uh, your word proclaims to us. Thank you for the opportunity, the freedom that we can make our choices. Sometimes those choices we make, Father, we're, we're glad, we're proud of, and then we look back and we've seen some choices that we wish we had made different. But, but Father, we, we have learned from our choices and our mistakes, and we look now to the one important choice right now. Our prayer is that everyone in the here, you know, the, the voice today, has made the decision and the choice to accept Jesus into their heart. But Father, you know, there could be one, one here today that has not made that choice yet. What a great day to start with a good choice and start on a new path in life. It may be a choice today we need to make that uh, we haven't lived up to what we have promised you and made vows to you when you saved us and we've kind of wandered away. A good choice to rededicate our life today. To get back on the path that we know we should be on. And then, Father, there's going to be this week opportunities that we're going to have to make choices. Guide us on the choices as we face them. Guide us that we will make the choices that you are leading us towards and the right choices. And follow Jesus' example. Follow the choices that would be your choice for us. These things we ask in Jesus' name. And as we sing this hymn of invitation, if you've got a choice you need to make this morning, make it. You ready to make it?